Hello everyone and welcome to Need 20 Dudes, a tabletop role-playing podcast where I have aged 30 years. You have nothing to say about that? I mean, considering everything you've been through recently, I wouldn't be surprised if you aged 30 years. Yeah, I, um, yeah, so the reason that the podcast has been fucked lately is because I had to get a tooth pulled out of my face. It hurt real bad. Jennifer, you know me. You know that I'm a glutton. Yep. You know that I am frequently referred to by some friends as a garbage disposal. Because uh, yes. should they wish to dispose of food, they merely need place it in front of me and it will disappear. Yes. Gen- so Jennifer, I was in so much pain from this tooth that I did not eat for almost 48 hours. As it fucking hurt. But now, now I don't have that tooth anymore. And I feel pretty good, partially because the painkillers they gave me were opioid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways, I'm Dylan. (laughs) And I'm Jennifer. And today we're going to be talking about wizards. Now, in in the other Pathfinder episodes, um, we kind of like went ham on like talking about like mechanics and like the things that um, the classes can do. But wizards don't get a lot of that. The main feature of being a wizard is that you're a fucking wizard. (laughs) You can use spells and magic and cool shit like that. (laughs) Wizards are some of the most fascinating utilitarian characters in the game. So we'll start off. With the basic bits, Um, wizards have a d6 hit die. Their starting wealth is 2d6 times 10 gold, averaging about 70. uh, And they will begin play with an outfit worth 10 gold or less, as all characters do. Oh, jeez. A wizard's class skills are appraise, craft, fly, knowledge, everything. They get every knowledge skill. Linguistics, profession, and spellcraft. And they have two plus their intelligence modifier skill ranks per level. At first level, they get an arcane bond, meaning they can either have a bond with an object or a creature. If it's an object, um, they they get that object at no cost at the beginning of the game, but it's um, not like a magical item in like the traditional sense where it's like, oh, I get a plus one staff at the beginning of the game. It's not like that. Um, it can be an amulet, a ring, a staff, a wand, or a weapon. They are always of masterwork quality. Weapons acquired at first level are not made of any kind of special material. If the object is an amulet or a ring, it must be worn to have any effect, while staves, wands, and weapons must be held in one hand. If a wizard attempts to cast a spell without his bonded object or worn object in hand, uh, he must make a concentration check or lose the spell. The DC for this check is equal to 20 plus the spell's level. A bonded object can be used once per day to cast any one spell that the wizard has in his spellbook and is capable of casting, even if the spell is not prepared. The spell is treated like any other spell cast by the wizard, including casting time duration and other effects dependent on the wizard's level. This cannot be modified by metamagic or other abilities. The bonded object cannot be used to cast spells from the wizard's opposition schools. A wizard can add additional magic abilities to his bonded object as if he has the required item creation feats and if he meets the level prerequisites of the feat. For example, a wizard with a bonded dagger must be at least 5th level to add magic abilities to the dagger. 
If the bonded object is a wand, it loses its wand abilities when the last charge is consumed, but is not destroyed and retains all of its bonded object properties and can be used to craft a new wand. The magic properties of a bonded object, including any magic Ooh. abilities added to the object, only function for the wizard who owns it. If a bonded object's owner dies or the item is replaced, the object reverts to being an ordinary masterwork item of the appropriate type. If it is damaged, it is restored full hit points next time the wizard prepares his spells. If the object of arcane bond is lost or destroyed, it can be replaced after one week with a special ritual that costs 200 gold per wizard level plus the cost of the masterwork item. This ritual takes eight hours. Items replaced in this way do not possess any of the additional enchantments of the previous bonded item. A wizard can designate an existing magic item as his bonded item. This functions in the same way as replacing a lost or destroyed item, except that the new magic item retains its abilities while gaining the benefits and drawbacks of becoming a bonded item. The other bond they can have is having a familiar, um, which is much more complex than just having a bonded item. Familiars are familiars. <laughs> eh. Familiars are a whole thing, but they can be really cool in that, like, you're familiar. It starts out as, like, just basically a pet, um, but as you level up, you can do things okay. like cast spells through your familiar or see through your familiar's eyes and use them for reconnaissance and things of that nature. Familiars can get pretty banane later on, um, but starting out, they're, they're nothing special. Familiars, again, they're just, like, a whole thing. They are such a whole thing, so we're not going to go over that here, but note that... Familiar is a, a spellcasting option for a level one wizard, and they're pretty wild, especially if you want to get like pretty creative with using spells um, beyond their usual ranges and durations. A wizard also gets an arcane school. Mm -hmm. uh, they specialize in a school of magic, gaining additional spells and powers based on that school. It must be made at first level, and once the choice is made, it cannot be changed. A wizard that does not select a school receives the Universalist school instead. A wizard that chooses to specialize in one school of magic must select two other schools as his opposition schools, representing knowledge sacrificed in one area of arcane lore to gain mastery in another. A wizard who prepares spells from his opposition schools must use two spell slots of that level to prepare the spell. For example, a wizard with evocation as an opposition school must expend two of his available third level spell slots to prepare a fireball. In addition, Specialist takes um, minus four penalty on any skill checks made when crafting a magic item that has a spell from one of his opposition schools as a prerequisite. A Universalist wizard can prepare spells from any school without restriction. Each arcane school gives the wizard a number of school powers. In addition, the Specialist wizards receive an additional spell slot of each spell level he can cast from first on up. Each day, a wizard can prepare a spell from his specialty school in that slot. This spell must be in the wizard's spellbook. A wizard can select a spell modified by a metamagic feat to prepare in his school slot, but it uses up a higher level slot. And wizards with the Universalist school do not receive this. Um, at first level, wizards gain the Scribe Scroll as a bonus feat. Um, they get bonus feats at 5th, 10th, 15th, and 20th level. And he can choose a metamagic feat, item creation, or spell mastery feat. And he must meet all the prerequisites as normal. The big thing about wizards now is the fact that they can cast spells. Because mm -hmm. I literally just told you everything that's in the wizards class thing. Like they get all of their special stuff at level one. Okay. Like all the things that define the class are just immediately there. And then from that point on, like you get bonus feats every now and then. And the thing that really defines a wizard and separates them 
from others is a what kind of feats they pick and b what spells they choose a wizard can do damn near anything wizards are like super Mm -hmm. fucking versatile they can do just about anything just depending on what skills they want to pick what spells they want to cast and as a result you can have like the wizened old man who has been studying in his tower for uh, nearly a century and is a master of transmutation. He turned his entire tower into gold just to flex on the village that spurned him. You can have the young man who is a fledgling evocation wizard who saw his town get attacked by goblins and wanted to be able to throw fireballs to defend himself, or even a tortured mad wizard who has used the powers of necromancy wants to try and resurrect his dead mother, but after that attempt failed to exact his vengeance upon the world around him. Wizards can be anything. Jennifer, wizards are rad. Tell yes. me about a rad wizard. Um, I think, so this is a story I was told by one of my previous GMs. Uh, I think he had made a a wizard that Basically, do it with something called counters or something. He was able to fire off about uh, anywhere from five to ten spells a turn if the, if the proper counters were triggered. What the fuck? Something like that. That seems obscene. <laughs> you would burn through so many spell yeah, slots that... so fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember much more than that. I really should ask him about it again sometime but that is what i remember the story being i think they were like called charlie or something like that like <laughs> charlie. He had such a mundane name Just charlie. Charlie. Man, charlie. <laughs> and i was like that's that can't have been D because he was running a D campaign he goes no that was pathfinder and i'm like god damn i should i should have picked a a wizard for my Pathfinder yeah. game instead of a rogue. Pathfinder 1E, like, that game is just there at this point for people to break it. There's been so much content added to it that if you can sift through all of that bullshit, you can hobble together the most ridiculous things in Pathfinder first because there's just so much there to pick and choose from. If you want to do it, you'll find it in there eventually. Um, so... <laughs> I suppose uh, an important thing to mention about wizards is their method of spellcasting. Wizards are prepared casters, whereas a sorcerer is a spontaneous caster. They just have a certain amount of spell slots per day. They could pick any spell off their list and just yeet it whenever they want. Um, wizards, at the beginning of their day, will study their spellbook, and they will prepare all the spells they're going to use for that day in advance. So a wizard say, has three first-level spell slots. Well, they could prepare two magic missiles and um, one um, uh, mending. I don't know. uh, That one's a cantrip, I'm pretty sure. But um, while they have all these spell slots available, like I believe they actually do get more spell slots and they actually have a higher spell availability than sorcerers. They will use the same list, but they are restricted in that they have to know what kind of spells they want to use beforehand. Uh, And there's a few things you can do, like that bonded arcane item 
is one example where there's like a few workarounds where if you need something uh, in an instant and you don't have her prepared, you can just kind of, oof, I have it. I'm going to use this right now. Um, but for the most part, like if you're a wizard and you know you're going into battle, you want to prepare your combat spells. If you're a wizard and you know it's going to be kind of a chill day, but maybe you're exploring a dungeon and you don't know what you could encounter down there, maybe have some utility spells to try and deal with some traps or whatever, maybe have some attack spells to go along with that to, you know, deal with any combat you might have. But wizards, um, I always found that kind of stifling, and I think that's something that they they start changing uh, in 2nd edition. I don't know, I haven't played with any wizards yet. I'm still very new to 2nd edition, but um, as a result, they do get just access to the craziest ass spells you will ever see like one of my favorite wizard spells and sorcerers can get this but i think it's at a higher level sorcerers get access to it is gate when you cast gate you just open a gate to another plane another place what are you just here's a portal to somewhere wherever the fuck i want to go here is an interplanetary interdimensional portal directly to it and that on its own is pretty rad being able to literally just open a knock knock fuck you door into the king's um personal private chambers is one thing but if you have <laughs> a the like the name of a um an outsider like some kind of, some sort of interplanar creature if you know its name you can use its name while casting the gate spell to open a gate directly to that entity and they can then choose to walk through it one of my major goals for Eteowen, whenever I decided to take him a little out of the necromancy route and more down the soul drinker route, where I was going to start being one of the um, heralds of the apocalypse, was I was going to find the names of at least one of the horsemen, like one of their true names, and just open a gate directly to them. Let him just come on through and just say, this world sucks. Burn it down, son. And as long as you have the name, you can just do that. This is the thing you can do. They don't have to cross through, wow. but I could have just like, if I ever found out the true name of any one of the horsemen, I could have just ended the campaign right then and there because I would have literally summoned an evil God to come destroy our world. What are they, what's the party going to do about it? Fuck all. That's what. <laughs> so I figure a fun exercise that we might be able to do for this is maybe talking about some of our favorite spells, some of the, the, the more interesting and unique castings and workings a wizard can do that make them into these fascinating characters, like certain spells that you might even build your entire character around. you have any examples of this? Some spells you like, Miss Jennifer? Uh, sadly, I haven't gotten to play a lot of spell casters very long uh the only one i was able to play for a length of time was a cleric and um i mean she was a cleric her main thing was uh healing but i also loved the uh oh what was it called it's some kind of dome spell where these little light creatures kind of flit around and just start hurting your enemies every turn like every turn, you have to make a, a saving throw, or this spirit is gonna hurt you. And I absolutely love that spell. I love that idea that you can just, uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to focus on this. Um, here, just go play with the enemy. Go, go kill them for me. Just don't make me do things. One of my favorites is fabricate. 
because it is a spell wherein if you have the materials on hand and you have the knowledge of how to make something, you can just magic it together instead of needing to spend the time and effort crafting something normally. Like, you can't use it to make magic items, obviously, but, like, say there's a Tarrasque coming into town and you have a bunch of tarps and rope and you just make a hot air balloon around the Tarrasque and make it someone else's fucking problem. That is actually really cool. (laughs) Another one of my favorites. So I talk about a Tailwind a lot, and that's because a Tailwind is literally the only wizard I've ever fucking played. But I do really love him as a character just because of how spiteful he was. Um, So I made this character with the intent that a Tailwind the wizard was going to be redeemable. Yes, he was evil, but if the party and the people he interacted with treat him well, he would, you know, learn that "Eh, maybe everything isn't so shitty. And maybe I shouldn't try and destroy the world. And of course he got kicked out of the party like almost immediately. But one of the things I was going to do as retribution for that is the one who was really the driving force behind uh, kicking a tail one out was a um, a cavalier we had in our party. And um, a tail one was going to come back because I actually wasn't having too much fun playing the replacement character. So I was going to have a tail one come back and I was going to start playing him again. Uh, and I was going to cast a Baleful Polymorph on the Cavalier in Revenge. Uh, Baleful Polymorph, what it does is whenever you polymorph um, somebody with it, uh, they have to make a will save or their entire mind is polymorphed along with them. Like it's not just poof, you're a, a, an animal for a short period of time and you're stuck that like you're stuck like that for a few minutes, but you still have your faculties and all that stuff. Like I believe baleful polymorph can be permanent, uh, as long as they don't pass the will saves required to break the polymorph itself. And if they pass, I think if they fail like a second will save, like it's a higher level curse, and that like they will just be an animal from that point on. They will not have their mind. They're so I was going to turn the cavalier into a turtle. And carry him around with me forever, like just in retribution. Like, all right, you fucked me over. Now I'm gonna fuck you over. I'm just gonna turn him into a turtle. He's gonna be my little pet turtle from that point on. That is hilarious. It's one of the. And this is all thanks for keeping. It's one going. of the most rude things I've ever thought to do with a wizard. I really love that there are spells like that. Like, there are yeah. things that was. Let me just look up a uh, wizard spells. Pathfinder. Let's just click down this list. I actually don't think I've played a wizard in in either Pathfinder or D. Wizards are crazy fun if you can play them right. Like once they run out of spell slots, that's kind of whenever they start getting into that level of um. Uh oh, what do I do now? That one thing I do is <laughs> done. It was actually kind of funny. Uh, so. Yeah, you know I'm running a, a IRL game on Mondays. Um, one of my players is a wizard. They're all level one, so you know D D. You don't you know they don't get too much at first level. And I was telling a veteran DM friend of mine that I almost killed them in their first battle because I sent them because challenge ratings. I thought I did it right, but I didn't. So. And I told him, you know, one's a rogue. And he's like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're rather squishy. One's a fighter. Well, okay. And then the third is a wizard. He goes, 
what is he complaining about? And he's the one that almost died, died first. Like, he was down to one HP and only because I let him live. Excellent. Uh, so I'm just going to, like, look at the spell list. Mm-hmm. And if something just catches my eye, we're going to click on that spell and see what... Okay, here's one. Explode head. Well, then. A level six, a sixth level sorcerer wizard spell. Uh, you cause incredible pressure to build in the target's head. The spell works only on a creature that has a head and would die from the loss of a head. The spell kills any such target that has 20 hit points or fewer, exploding its head and spreading debris in a 10-foot radius. Each creature in the area must succeed at a reflex saving throw or take 2d6 two six, two points of slashing damage from the flying debris. A target with twenty more than 20 hit points takes 1d6 points of damage per caster level, but can attempt a fortitude save to half it. If this damage would cause the target to become disabled or dying, the target dies and its head explodes as a result. That's the thing you do as a wizard. You start exploding people's heads. Goodness, and debris. Like they even flat out say, "Yeah, their their head's gonna go everywhere. It's it's just gonna go everywhere, and you can take damage from their bones. So good luck." Yep. Um. Let's just uh click on something at random. Hold person. Oh, that's boring. It just holds a person in place. Um. Hypercognition. You rapidly catalog and collate all available data on a person, place, thing, or event, calling to mind scraps of memory and assembling clues in a logical and systematic order. Immediately after casting the spell, you can begin spending the necessary time to perform an intelligence check, a linguistics check to detect a forgery or decipher a hidden message, or a knowledge check. If the check requires at least three rounds, you can perform it five times as quickly, to a minimum of one round. If the check requires fewer than three rounds, you can perform it instantly. Either way, you gain an insight bonus on the check equal to your caster level, but this bonus can't raise your result above what you could have achieved on a natural 20. So you can just cast a spell that just um, brain blasts Jimmy Neutron style to suddenly have tons of information on something. Yeah, which I think that's is really cool. That's super cool. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a very interesting utility thing. It is. All right, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling down. Let's pick another one. Uh, Starsight. Uh, this one's only a first level spell. You can observe the night sky and all of its celestial bodies as if it were a clear night, regardless of weather conditions that would otherwise block your view. Your vision penetrates any light pollution from non-magical sources, though the spell doesn't function in daylight, indoors, or underground. You can see through forest canopies and similar natural obstructions, but only for the purpose of stargazing. For the spell's duration, you get a plus two insight bonus on knowledge geography checks relating to the stars and planets and survival checks to avoid getting lost. So again, yeah, that's another like interesting, like if you're... That would honestly be really fun for like a nautical campaign where like oh, navigating definitely. by the stars is going to be like your main thing. Yeah, that would be. So like there's tons of damaging spells, but there's also a lot of like really interesting utility things. Pinecone bomb. Pinecone bomb. The spell infuses a small pine cone with power, causing it to detonate with explosive force when thrown. 26 points of piercing damage per two caster levels. Cool, you turn a pine cone into a grenade. That's hilarious. I I'm now picturing just a Teo when he's in the forest, somebody's taking him off, and he kind of picks up his pine cone, and he kind of stares at it for a minute, looks at the person that's bothering him, and just tosses it. And they're like, ha ha, it's a pine cone, it's not gonna hurt, and then it kills the person, and the other's like, what the fuck? I don't understand. <laughs> um... Jeez, what's what's that one spell I really liked? Oh, Phantasmal Killer is one of my favorites. Uh, let me see if we, is that a thing in Pathfinder? 
Yeah, Phantasmal Killer. You create a phantasmal image of the most fearsome creature imaginable to the subject simply by forming the fears of the subject's subconscious mind into something that its conscious mind can visualize. This most horrible beast. Only this spell subject can see the phantasmal killer. You see only a vague shape. The target first gets a will save to recognize the image is unreal. If that save fails, the phantasm touches the object, the subject, and the subject must succeed on a fortitude check or die from fear. Even if the fortitude save is successful, the subject takes 3d6 points of damage. And I really enjoyed using that um, as, as a, a reason to just describe horrible things. <laughs> uh, and it honestly gave rise to one of my uh, my favorite kind of like horrible monster semi-godly kind of images where it's like a tailwind's mask would kind of lurch forward and he would pull himself out of his robe as like a, a spider that's massive with way too many limbs for a spider and would weave chains instead of webs which I just think is f- fucking rad I just love that image oh there's my nightmare fuel for the next couple of months. Oh, uh, holy shit. I have... Okay, so this is a Pathfinder thing. This is not in D&D. If the subject of a phantasmal killer attack succeeds in disbelieving and possesses telepathy or is wearing a helm of telepathy, the beast can be turned upon you. You must then disbelieve it or become subject to its deadly fear attack. So if somebody is telepathic, they can just know you, that monster, straight back at you. Damn. That's pretty fucked up. I didn't know that. That is really cool. I like that. So we're about at the end of um, this week's episode. Yep. So thank you, everyone who listened to this episode. Thank you for um, waiting because, you know, I had bad tooth, I bone rot. Um, Jenny and Word did make an episode, and I ended up even putting <laughs> that one out late just because I was too exhausted to actually edit it. And you guys fucking talked about farting in Walmart for a long time. <laughs> We were actually surprised that you you kept the episode the way it was because oh, there yeah. was a lot of politics and fart talk and <laughs> <laughs> I ain't changed it. It's a charisma check. Fuck it. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. Um, socials: facebookcom slash d20dudes. If you want to follow us there, twittercom slash d20dudes or at d20dudes on Twitter. Um, if you want to find us on the tweets, if you want to support the podcast, um, patreoncom slash d20dudes. Like Jenny, Word, Ken, and fucking Ari. And I believe you called him Kevin last week or something. Yeah, I think I called him <laughs> Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, wait, this is not his name. It's Ken. Sorry. Um, uh, but, but if you want to get your name said out loud in the podcast, and if you want a few like little you know Patreon bonuses, uh, go ahead and pop up. It's as low as $3 a month. It's not very expensive. If you want to join the Discord, the link for that is down in the notes. It's down in the description. Um, but we would love to see you in the Discord. And I'm now going to roll this D20, and we're going to see what next week's episode is going to be about. Yeah. Oh, no, I dropped it. Uh, two, uh, spitballing interesting magic systems. And this one's one I'm super stoked to talk about because magic has this like this rote concept of it being like either you have magic in your blood and you can use it that way or you like study spells and incantations and use magic that way but magic can be such a creative and innovative thing that i want to talk about like alternative systems of magic um and and literally just any dumb thing that's going to come to our head like anything that could potentially be magic is what we're going to talk about next week so 
We'll catch you next week for that one, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.